Absolutely. This is John, this is, what's his name? John Cameron Swayze, who was in his day uh, a great evangelist. Um, now, well, well, he was sort of an evangelist, but he started out his career as a, a radio news and an early TV news broadcaster, right? He was, uh, he was right there with Cronkite and Huntley and Brinkley and all those guys. Um, but one fateful event occurred in his life, which changed forever how the world perceived him. Uh, and what was that event? He, he became the spokesman, the advertising face of, I'm thinking of, well, everybody sold cigarettes back in those days. Uh, I'm thinking of Timex watches. Remember that? And, and, and he, would, he, he would get those Timex watches and they would do little things with them. They put them through some kind of shakedown cruise and put it in a box and it would shake and they would drop, I mean, they would drop it and they would, and the slogan was what? It takes a licking and keeps on ticking. And uh, I don't know how many Timex watches were sold under that, but the, the whole point was, and this, up until that time, watches were, very fairly delicate, and it didn't take much to get them to, uh, for them to get stop or to run slow or things like that. Um, Timex at least made built their entire brand around uh, this watch will keep on ticking, no, no matter. You know, they kind of perfected the shockproof. Remember when it was a big deal to, to advertise that watches were shockproof? Uh, that Timex came up with that. And so, so John Cameron Swayze, well, for, I, I wouldn't be surprised but that on his tombstone, he took a lot of lickings and finally stopped ticking. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. But... What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. All right. So that's just important to remember as we move into the sermon today. Uh, good old John Cameron Swayze. All right. So the Antioch, Antioch Declaration. As you're thinking of sharing the gospel with people around you, and I hope you are thinking of sharing the gospel with people around you. I hope you are so sensitive to opportunities everywhere you go to just tell your story uh, about Jesus. Uh, point number one, through him, your sins are forgiven. Not might be forgiven, like one of they could be forgiven. Through Jesus, your sins are forgiven. But more than that, this is what most people are looking for that they don't know about. Through him, if you believe in him, you're freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses or through, through your own efforts. You're freed. You are, you are whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That's a real promise. That's not just a poem. 
whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And by believing in Him, you're set free from all sorts of things that you would never, ever be freed from otherwise. And then all He asks us to do is continue in the grace of God. Just continue to trust Him. No matter how hard things are, no matter how bad things look, no matter how, how scary things seem to be, no matter how chaotic your life seems to be, just keep trusting Him and keep continuing in His grace. Your sins are forgiven. You're freed from, from things that you could never be freed from any other way. So just continue in the grace of God. And then that's the message that we preach. When we open our mouths, the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to tell people those things. Everywhere you go, and the Holy Spirit shows up with miraculous results. Because it's about what God does through his power, not what you do through your powers of persuasion. It's not about you, it's about him. The Holy Spirit shows up, all you have to do is open your mouth. Got that? Don't, I'm just going to keep nagging you about it. Okay, here we are. Now, uh, we are about to, we're getting very close to wrapping up uh, Acts chapter 14 which has all been going on at the bottom here between Galatia, bottom of Galatia and Pamphylia. But we started out, in, we started out when we started the, uh, Paul's missionary journey, we started out in this Antioch, then we went to Cyprus, then we went up to Antioch, Pisidia, then we went to Iconium, Lystra, uh, there's another city called Derby, and he's just, they've just been running around in this whole area for the last several chapters. Um, but today, something interesting happens. Something slightly unexpected. Okay, remember last week, what we stopped, we were talking about rock star religion, because when the, Paul, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, what was it, remind me, what was it that they saw Paul do? Last week, week before last, Paul did something. Well, not, not that, we're not there yet, but he, he is going to shake a snake off. Yeah, the lame man, he saw the... the he, he preached that little Antioch declaration to that lame man. And that lame man, faith just came all over him. He, he, it suddenly resonated with his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit got a hold of him. And that, that lame man just suddenly had an expectation that God was going to do something. And Paul spoke to him. And he hopped up and ran around. And so when the crowd saw that, they just freaked out. And they assumed that... Paul and Barnabas were gods. And so they were going around saying, he's a god, he's a god. They, the gods have come down, they become men like us. And Paul and Barnabas just said, no, no, a thousand times no, whatever, however they did it. They said, no, we are just men of the same nature as you. Okay, so stop and think about this. When we think of Paul and Barnabas, would you ever... Think of, like, um, Carl and Chuck as being in the same category as Paul and Barnabas. I'm just saying. You think Paul and Barnabas, you think, oh, my gosh, Paul and Barnabas. Wow. Carl and Chuck? Man. <laughs> but... But there, Paul and Barnabas said, look, don't put us up on a pedestal. We are just regular people. We are regular guys just like you. The only difference between us and you is that we've 
put our trust in Jesus Christ. And it's Jesus who's doing all of these things. It's Jesus who's working through us. It's, we're just regular people. We're just like a, a tool. And Jesus just picks us up and he just uses us to bless people. We're just regular guys. We're just numbskull, clay pots, crack pots, just like anybody else. Don't put us up on a pedestal because it's God who is doing this, not us. It's not about us. Turn around, look at somebody right now and say, you know, it's not about you, don't you? Anna? You know, it's not about you, don't you? Okay, good, good. All right. It's not about you. It's all about him. It's never been about us. The only thing about this whole situation that's been about us is, is Jesus loves us. And because of his love, he's released his Holy Spirit, into our lives. That's the only thing that's about us. We are the object of his love. Everything else, not about us. It's all about him. I need to hear some kind of an amen. All right. More, more conviction. All right. Good. That's much better. Okay. So that was... But, but here's... Here's what comes next. So, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium to Lystra. The Jews, um, it's, you know, for the, for the Jews up here in central Turkey, the ministry of Paul and Bartimaeus and the Holy Spirit was, I don't know, kind of like a version of Pearl Harbor. They showed up. They started just blowing up uh, all of these places that were, where the Jews had been basically uh, the, the leading... Uh, the, the, liter, the leaders of Yahweh worship, if you want to call it that. Uh, and Paul and Barnabas came in and started making disciples everywhere, everywhere. Here. They, they never saw it coming. The Jews never saw it coming. But that didn't mean they were going to take it lying down. Um, they were like, they started putting together, and this was a pattern for a long time, they started putting together truth squads. Eventually they started following Paul around everywhere he went. And Paul would preach his gospel, and the Jews would come in right behind him and say, liar, liar, pants on fire, and try to reinforce the Old Testament law again. And so Jews came from Antioch, where this all got started, and Iconium, which was the second place that they went. And they, they won over the crowds. And a lot of people who had, had been following and been interested in Paul's and Barnabas' message uh, they talked them, they inflamed them uh, to suddenly believe that Paul and Barnabas were evil, dangerous heretics. And so they went over the crowds and they stoned Paul and they dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So, you know, the stoning is, was the preferred manner of execution and Jewish tradition. I don't know that they do it anymore, but in those days, when you, were, when you had violated pretty much any kind of a Jewish law, you, you were taken out, and, uh, and we, we read in places that sometimes they just pulled big boulders, pushed big boulders down on top of you. Sometimes they were throwing big heavy stones at you. But however it happened, they, they hit Paul with... Enough stones, and, I, and, and this, is, this is a formal 
religious process. It's based on a trial. It's not just like they... Now, you, you, you look sometimes at, on the news today at, at riots, sometimes in the Middle East, sometimes they were here, where you've got the police on with riot gear on, and then you have the rioters with, like what, just picking up rocks, especially on the border with Palestine and Israel, just throwing rocks, just throwing rocks, psh, just to make a nuisance. Psh, psh. That's not what this was. When they say, when they dragged him, they stoned him and dragged him out of the city, that means they, they formally took possession of him, they restrained him, and they pummeled him with some kind of rocks until he looked like he was dead. Everybody assumed he was dead, and they dragged his corpse and threw it out of the city. That's harsh. I mean, that's really harsh. Uh, and the truth is, most people didn't, didn't survive. And so you've got this picture of Paul being severely assaulted, first verbally assaulted, and then physically assaulted, and then stoned uh, till his body was lifeless, and they dragged him out of the city, and probably, you know what's outside the city? You drag somebody outside the city, you know what's outside the city? Trash, garbage heap. They dragged him out of the city, and almost certainly, they didn't, like, prop him up, like, against the city wall and make him look comfortable. They, they dragged his body out of the city and probably threw it on the trash heap. And then the disciples just stood around him. Just imagine, there's a circle of his disciples. I don't know how many there were, probably not as many as there were when the day started, but whatever disciples he had left were just standing there. Maybe they were praying. I'm hoping they were praying. I'm hoping that maybe they were taking a lesson from what they'd seen Paul do already, and maybe they were praying over his lifeless body, uh, commanding life to return to it. I don't know. It just says they stood around him. Maybe they were just like, well, what do we do now? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. What do you do? I've got to be home for supper pretty soon. Why do you, um, what do you think we should do next? I don't know. Beats me. I don't know what. But they, they, were, they were standing there hopefully doing something spiritual, but uh, they were completely in shock. And while his disciples stood around him, he got up. And went back into the city. Paul just got up, dusted himself off, kind of, you know, kind of, whatever, you know, after you've been stoned and you've been dragged out of the city, you've got probably some kinks you need to work out. So he was like working out those kinks. And then he said something like, well, that happened, um, and he went back into the city, the place where they had just stoned him, the place where they had just dragged him out and threw him on a garbage heap. He just got it. It doesn't say resurrected, but he was resurrected, what, however you want to describe it. A person who's been stoned to the point of being thrown on a trash heap needs just a little bit more than a splash of water in their face. Say, Paul, how are you doing? No, 
he was resurrected to some degree, and the and the, instead of getting up and going, that was close. We better get out of here. Uh, he just got back up on the horse and went back into the city. Paul took a licking. Still kept ticking. With, he, with the help of the Holy Spirit, right? We're not saying that he's a superman. Because what do they already say? We are people just like you. We are men just like We are the same nature as you are. There's no, I'm, this wasn't like, this wasn't Iron Man. He wasn't Iron Man. He wasn't Thor. This wasn't Incredible Hulk. Uh, he was just a regular guy that had been stoned into oblivion. And then God showed up and touched him. And he went back to the scene of the crime. There were things that he was doing that he needed. There was unfinished business in that city. And we don't know what it was. But at what you would, what you would, could rightfully consider to be Paul's darkest moment in his ministry today. Because the last time Paul was associated with the stoning, when was that? Stoning of Stephen. The last time we hear Paul's name mentioned with stoning, he was presiding or at least supporting the stoning of Stephen. He was on the other end. And now, now he has, the circle has been completed. And he has suffered for Jesus. Uh, and God has delivered him from it. He had unfinished business in Lystra, and he went back into the city. We don't know what happened, but he didn't let the fact that people were mean to him. Oh, do you, you hear what they call me at that meeting today? They, they call me a liar. They, 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 those people are all biggest. We need to arrest him for a hate crime because they hate me. Uh, and then they stoned me, so doesn't that make it a hate crime? Um, they, he didn't whine. He didn't accuse them. He, uh, he didn't run from them. He wasn't intimidated by them. He had unfinished business in the city, so he, by the power of God, he got back up, and he went back. But wait, there's more. And so he only stayed there overnight. Um, the next day, he and Barnabas went to Derby, which was that last little city up there on the map. We haven't heard much about it. Uh, and they preached the gospel in that city, and they had many disciples. But then, you know what they did? Look what they did. They went back to Lystra, where he had just been stoned, and they went back to Iconium and finally to Antioch Pisidia, where, who had sent the hit squad to Lystra to try to take him out, he went back into the heart of enemy territory because there were disciples there that he needed to check on and he needed to encourage them. And he needed to, he needed to go to those people and say, you probably heard about the hit squads. You probably heard about the death squads. You probably heard that they stoned me. You probably heard that they threw me out on the trash pile. Did you hear? The rest of the story. 
It's me. I'm not backing down. How are y'all doing? We're, God is on our side. We're going to be okay. And he's, uh, he's strengthening the souls of the disciples. He's encouraging them. Look at this. He's encouraging them to just continue in the faith. Just continue trusting Jesus. Just continue in grace. It's going to be okay. Yeah, so what if they stone you every once in a while? It's just rocks. Um, it's going to be okay. Just continue in the faith. Just don't quit. Just don't stop. Yes, it's going to be hard. Nobody ever told Did I tell you it wasn't going to be hard? Now, I'm not one of those evangelists on TV that just tells you what you want to hear so they'll send you money. Um, so, so you'll send them money. I, I, sometimes, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes people stone you. But God is bigger. God is faithful. You will come through this. It may seem hard, but God is always faithful. And he was saying this, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. How often do you hear that verse preached when you go to church? Uh, like sermon this Sunday, you see like on the reader board outside, sermon this Sunday, through many tribulations, we will enter the kingdom of God. If you advertise sermons like that, people don't show up. They want to go to the happy church. They don't want to go to the tribulation church. Wait, it's right there in the Bible. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Life is sometimes hard, but God is always faithful. You understand that? God is always faithful. Uh, In this world, you will have ice cream cones. But in this world, you will also have tribulation. Just don't freak out. I have overcome the world. The tribulations aren't the end. The tribulations are something that you go through so that you can see the power of God get you through. So, now this is interesting, I thought, at the various. When they had appointed elders for them in every church... And having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So, I don't know how much time has elapsed from the time they got to Antioch, Pisidia, and started the swing through Turkey and ended up in Derby and then came back around. Uh, It doesn't say uh, two weeks, three weeks, four months. It doesn't say. But it... It couldn't have been that long, right? It's not like they were there 10 years. It's not like Paul was just going back and forth from church to church over the course of 10 years, teaching people and instructing people and starting the Paul uh, Academy of Christian Theology uh, and making a lot of tapes and videos and publishing books and, and schooling people. It was just like he was there long enough to preach for a couple of weeks, long enough till he got thrown out or stoned or something and then chased out. Then he went to someplace else and he preached. And this was not a long period of time. And people believed and they were, once they were believed, all they had to go on was the Antioch Declaration. My sins are now forgiven. I am believing in Jesus. He is setting me free from stuff. And... And then all they had to remember was whatever else that Paul and Barnabas might have told them in the course of some of those sermons. That was it. And yet, here it is, on a matter of months, Paul is closing out this journey, and so he's going through 
and he's appointing elders. Elders are supposed to be what? Respected, mature, deep in the faith. Uh, they're the ones who've memorized all the scripture or they're the ones who've given most of the money. It just depends on what kind of a church you're in. But they, uh, th- there are, um, but th- they are people that you look up to for leadership and for spiritual wisdom, right? These are all babies, right? Now, now possibly some of the elders were formerly respected leaders in a Jewish synagogue. Some of them may have been Jews who were converted to Jesus. But how much, how much does that mean they knew about Jesus? They only knew whatever it was that Paul and Barnabas had told them. But apparently, uh, Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted, and that's where they got the leading for who the elders are going to be. They prayed and they fasted, and they said, Okay, I think... Uh, one of the elders is going to be Anna. One of the elders is going to be Chuck. And we need one more elder. Let's make it uh, Pat Gardier. And when they announced who the elders are going to be, some people were probably like, say, what? How come they get to be an elder and not me? Uh well, once they found out what elders have to do, they probably wouldn't want the job. But because uh, elders were basically performing pastoral functions. They were the pastors over the church. They were the leaders that took care of the flock after Paul and Barnabas left. So, but after they did that, they just said, all right, we got to go. You know, trains were almost late. Uh, so, y'all, trust Jesus going to be okay then they were like paya they were just gone and then it was up to it was up to those folks to just start having church and start seeking the lord and paul didn't leave them any he didn't leave them any tracts he didn't leave them any copies of the new testament because why because why it wasn't the new testament He didn't leave them any copies of the Old Testament. And why is that? Because you're lucky if you were going to a synagogue that had one copy. Because they're all handwritten. He just just commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And he said, look, I know this is weird, but trust Jesus. It's going to be okay. Get together, trust the Holy Spirit, pray for each other. Yeah, you're going to get stoned a few times, but it's going to be okay. There are going to be some tribulations. It's going to be okay. Just keep seeking God together. Have each other's back. Pray for each other. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. They didn't have a New Testament. They didn't have an Old Testament. They didn't have anybody with any training. Uh, they just have Harvey. Paul, for some reason, appointed Harvey to be the elder over us. And... And I, you know, it was enough. There were now, when Paul left, there were now churches in Antioch, Pisidia, and Lystra, and Iconium, and Derbe, 
And he was headed home. How much of this success was based on Paul being a genius? And how much of this success was based on the power of the Holy Spirit to just do unbelievable, unexpected, crazy, awesome things? Um, I'm not saying training isn't important. I'm not saying people shouldn't go to seminary. And I'm not saying that they're that you don't need to study the Word. I'm not trying to say all that. But apparently, when all you have is the Holy Spirit and each other, and you trust Jesus, it can still be great. So here's, here's just what... Uh, I want to close with this. It's not, it's not about me. Not about you. Took a long time, Lord, but finally I see that it's all about you, not about me. And even when you've stoned to within a millimeter of your life and you're down for the count and you think there's no hope and there's no way out and you're ready to give up and all your friends are just standing around staring at you on the ground saying, what do we do now? I don't know. What do you do? I don't know. The power of God is still flowing in your heart and in your life. And you can, he can literally raise you up whether you're coughing or not. He can raise you up and he can do awesome things with you and in you and through you. And he can even give you the courage to walk back into a situation that, that you think is killing you. And you don't want to be there anymore. Because what God, here's the bottom line for Paul. Paul knew that God had called him to that place. And he knew that God had given him an assignment to do. And, of course, Paul ran out of gas. But the grace and the power of God are infinite. Paul, if you're willing to stand back up, if you're willing to walk back in that city, if you're willing to go back to Iconium, if you're willing to go back to Lystra, if you're willing to go back to Antioch, if you're willing to go back into all those places where people hate you and want to throw more rocks at you because you've got a mission and you know what your mission is, you just do that. Just do that. I'll do the rest. I will do what needs to be done in your life. That's his promise. That's, that's, the, that's the Antioch Declaration. That's the promise of Acts chapter 1. I will give you the power. Your sins are forgiven. I'm freeing you of all that stuff that's held you back all those years. I'm setting you free of that. Do you believe you're being set free of stuff right now? Do you believe, do you believe A, that there are things you need to be set free from? Yes or no? Do you believe Jesus is freeing you from those things now? Maybe not all immediately, not all at once, but as you get back up on your horse and you go back into that city where people are likely to punch you in the face or something is going to hurt your feelings or something's not going to go right, but you keep trusting Jesus and you keep going, God is going to show up. He always does.
What we learn from this today is it's absolutely possible for you, weak and puny as you are, to take a licking and God will make sure that you keep on ticking. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Even when we are unfaithful, even when we don't want to be faithful, we thank you that you're still faithful. Lord, remind us of that tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.